done some dumb things in my life. Has anybody else, would you just, uh, like, on Easter Sunday, let's confess together. How many of you have done just the, the dumbest stuff? Just stuff you look back over your life and think, why in the world did I ever do that? And I'm not talking about who you married, so if they're here. <laughs> just why did I do this? Why, why in the world did I, did I make that decision? And some of them are... You know, just simple stuff, but you just remember the dumb stuff. You know, you never remember the days you don't do dumb stuff. You know what I'm saying? This is the average Tuesday. You always hearken back to, you remember that day that, and you fill in the blank with the dumb mistake that you made. And one of those that has lived in our marriage for the last almost 20 years now. We've been married almost 20 years. And about 21, 22 years ago, we were dating, and we lived in North Carolina, and uh, we lived in different cities, so we were a couple of hours apart. I had gone to Brandy's house to uh, see her for the weekend, and, uh, and, and they had a dog growing up. They had a yellow Labrador named Wyatt. Where's all the dog people at? Come on, where are all the dog people at? Good, good, good. Uh, if you're a cat person, the altar call's uh, coming in just a minute. And so they're, they're, dog, they're dog people. Well, we, we had never really been raised with dogs. I mean, I had, I had one dog in my whole childhood, but never, never sort of been around the house. They had. And, and I have, we have a dog now because we have little kids. So we have a Labrador now that, that I'm trying to kill actively. And that's, that's, that's semi-true. And so, and so anyway, so they have this lab. And this lab is not a normal lab. This lab is possessed with seven devils. You know what I'm talking about on this? This is a lab who's possessed with devils and is, is before, I don't know if this is possible to diagnose canines with ADHD, but this one has it. You know what I'm saying? Like just the most hyperactive dog ever and then possessed with devils. And so there's, you, just, I, you just never know what's going to And I knew this about him, and, and yet I did the dumb thing. You know what I mean? I did the thing that we keep laughing about. Well, I don't laugh about it a lot, but Brandy laughs about it a lot. I, I'm trying to impress this girl that I'm dating, and, and, and I'm at her home, and her father's a very big guy, and I'm trying to show how strong and manly I am. I don't know why some of you are giggling at that. And, and so I, I, do the dumb, I do the dumb thing that we laugh about. And I get the dog is normally outside, but they brought him into the kennel in the house. It's a giant kennel because this thing's akin to a Shetland pony. And, and, and so... He's inside, he's inside this kennel. And I think I'm going to go, like, i gotta, yeah, I got to go on the dog's good side because that's how you get on a girl's good side. You know what I mean? If they're dogs like you, they're friends like you, then, then you're in. So I get, that's true story, I get down on all fours, and I get nose to nose with this beast from Hades. And I don't know, what, what I don't know that I, I believe to this day, her family knew, is the kennel was not closed. So this rabid animal is, 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 I'm no, I mean, he's just begging to get out. He's shaking to get out of this kennel. And I am now nose to nose. And this animal gets, he, he lunges out of the kennel and attacks me. And I have, I still have nightmares about this, this animal attack. It's, there's no, and afterwards, like shortly thereafter, Brandy's like, why did you do that? Like, you know he's crazy. What's wrong with you? You know what I mean? I just do dumb stuff. Some stuff that doesn't matter like that. And then, and then I'm prone to make dumb mistakes that matter. St- stuff, that, stuff that leaves physical scars. Thankfully that didn't. And, and then stuff that leaves scars that nobody knows about. Uh, 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 honestly, I, I'm, I'm prone to just 
Everybody is to just have a story of pain in your life that you wish you could go back and do over. I wish I could think through that again. I wish I could have a do-over on that day. I, maybe there's something in your life today on Easter that's, that's painful, that's, uh, that's dark, that, that you just think, man, I, I wish I had the power to change my past. I, I, w- I wish I could go back in time and not do that, not make that decision. And now I'm living with the repercussions of the one dumb decision. Like that one thing that I just can't get past and the pain is now festered and the scars are so real. Scars that I show and a lot that I don't. And, and, and here I am with a marriage filled with problems and, and, and with a conscience that won't let me sleep at night and, and, and a decision I wish I hadn't made. And, and, and maybe you're here today and you gave up on a dream too early. It was just so hard and, and, and it was so hurtful. But, but you walked away from it 10, 15, 20 years ago. And now here you are back in church on Easter thinking, why, why? I wish I could change my past. I wish I could go back. Why did I do what I did? Here's a truth for you today that some of the deepest wounds that I carry around are self-inflicted. Some of the deepest wounds of my life and maybe in your life are the ones that I did to me. The decision I made in the moment, the, the, the dumb thing that I said that I shouldn't have and, and, and it caused a domino effect and a, a bad decision, a, a sin that, that honestly, if you're honest in church today, it's haunting you today. It's the thing you hope your kids never find out. It's the thing that just comes back over and over. It's the guilt and the shame and the regret and the scar associated with a past personal failure. I did it. It's me. It was my mistake. And, and maybe you're like King David. If you're new to the Bible, you, you, you've heard of King David, the one that kills the giant, the one that's the king of Israel, the one whose throne Jesus will sit on for eternity. The Bible said he had one such event in his life that he just felt like, why did I do? Why was that one decision, that one day, that one thing that I've carried around with me now? And it became a deep wound in the heart of David, so much so that he would write, In Psalms 38, in the middle of his dark day, that my guilt has overwhelmed me. And it's overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. The the mental picture is that he's wearing, as a matter of fact, the Bible would say David would wear this cloth, this sackcloth that he would wear. And he said, it's so heavy, I don't even know how to stand up in it. And maybe you know the feeling. That, That I've just carried around this pain. I did it. It was me, it was my mistake, but I can't move on. It's so hard to get past my past, what I did. Let me ask you a question. How, how, how did you handle that? Like, How do you handle the pain that you caused yourself? How do you deal with your past mistakes? Do, do you bury it? I meet people a, a lot who just bury all of that stuff deep down and they build these walls that I'll never I'll never let you get close to me not because of you but because of what I did and the decision the dumb decision I made now now who knows what's going to happen do, do you do you hold a grudge for years and decades and, and 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 is it affecting the relationships that you're currently in is your current marriage suffering because of what happened in your last one because of the pain are are you like me do you have trouble sleeping at night because the moment my eyes close, I feel like my brain wakes up and reminds me of my failure. 
Do you self-medicate? Any way to escape it? Any way to not feel it? Any way to not deal with it? Do you work too much? Do you lean into your job? If I can just succeed here, maybe no one will remember that. Maybe I can overcome the pain of my past as a, as a workaholic. Maybe, maybe you just have an overwhelming sense of personal failure. I've, I've messed up so much. I've ruined other people's lives. I'll, I'll ask you a deeper question than that. Where was God in all of this? Maybe you've asked yourself that over the last few days, weeks, or years. Where, where, where was God? I don't understand. I, I messed up, and I don't even know how God sees me now. Honestly, I don't even know what He thinks about me. Because I'm just too far. I've done too much. I said too much. I made too many promises I didn't keep. I, I've just I've gone too far. I don't even know if God knows where I am, honestly, or if He does. I'm sure He's about giving up on me. Can I give you some truth today that... If you don't catch anything else, would you catch this? That God is never too far from our pain and He's never stopped by our past. That God is never far from our pain. As a matter of fact, the Bible would say in one passage that He's close to the brokenhearted. It's not that He distances Himself. Maybe you grew up in a church like I did that felt like the worse I got, the further God pushed me away. Distancing himself. I don't want to be with him. I don't want to. I don't know anything to do with that. I, I, I don't. I don't know that I could love him anymore. But the fact of the the fact of the Bible is that God is close to those who struggle and who have pain, and God is never stopped by our past. I'll tell you a story from the New Testament to show you. Peter is a fisherman. By trade, his father, John, was a fisherman. Most people in that day did what it is their father did, their grandfather did. It is most likely that he had been a fisherman all his life. Jesus of Nazareth comes by one day. You know this if you've been around the Bible a while. And he calls him to be a disciple. Peter leaves everything behind. Follows Jesus three and a half years. Every public Ministry Jesus performed, Peter was there. Every single one recorded in the Bible, Peter is there. Always by his side. Peter is a natural loudmouth. You know anybody? Don't raise your hands. P Peter's always the loud one in the group. A and he was the loud one as a fisherman and he's the loud one as a disciple. He's always the first to respond. Always has an answer for everything. And three and a half years worth of ministry together. He'd seen Jesus raise the dead. He ruined every funeral he ever went to. Jesus would. He would raise every dead person around. He'd seen Jesus open up blind eyes that uh, children had been born uh, blind and had lived decades blind. And he watched Jesus heal them. He watched Jesus heal leprosy, the most vile outcast of the Jewish society. He watched Jesus touch them with his hands and heal them. He watched Jesus heal the children of parents who were devastated at the loss of their daughter. He had been with them every single step until the end. It's Thursday of Holy Week. Jesus has ridden into Jerusalem on a donkey at what we called Palm Sunday, and he is having a final meal with the people that are closest to him. The disciples are around the table. They share a meal together, 
And Jesus then tells the group, one of you will betray me. Not only will one of you betray me, but all of you will leave me. Guess what the loud mouth does? There's no way, Peter stands up and says. There is no, first of all, I want to know who's going to be the one that betrays him. He sort of calls out the whole group. Tell me who this is. And and, and, and even, even if, I promise you this, I'll never leave. He actually says the phrase. Never. Not me. I'm not. Everybody else here will, but I won't. Maybe you've made a promise like that. At some point in your spiritual journey. I, this is it. I'm never. I'm, I'm always going to do it this way. It's always going to be right. I'm, I'm never walking away again. And then. The crucifixion. Just like Jesus had foretold at that last supper. He looked at Peter in the eyes and said. Not only will you leave. You'll deny you ever knew me. Not only will you deny you ever knew me. You'll do it three times. And you'll do it before the morning time. Before the rooster crows. Sure enough. Just as Jesus has said, I'm, I'm skipping a lot of story. Jesus is crucified. Peter is nowhere to be found and denies him. It so inflicts Peter's heart. It is so devastating. The personal failure. I said I wouldn't and I did. I said I wouldn't ever get this far and now here I am. I said I'd never leave church and now here I am. I said I would always be around and now I'm not. I said I would never go that far and then... I did. I said I could put it down whenever I wanted, but I can't. And he's so inflicted by this personal failure. Literally, he leaves the cross and heads to the lake. Because the enemy of your soul will always tempt you with your past when you feel like a failure in your present. Peter then leaves the disciple business. He literally decides, I'm out. I'm done. I failed too much. I've made too big of a mess of this. I said publicly what I would do. I got up in front of the whole church and told them what I was going to do. And then I did just the opposite. My life's ruined. And he goes back to fishing. A lot of story happens there. Jesus is crucified, buried in Joseph's tomb, raises to new life on Easter Sunday. And shortly thereafter, he walks along the same shoreline that he had found Peter the first time. And they sit down and have a conversation. Let me pause here to tell you. He knows right where to find you. He knows right where you are. I know you think you've hidden yourself. You've gone far enough. I know you think you've built a wall big enough, deep enough, cold enough. But he knows right where you are. And Jesus goes back to the same seashore. Hauls out onto the lake. Finds Peter again, and they have a conversation. Interesting conversation. If you were just a bystander walking beside, Jesus asks Peter an interesting question. He says, Peter, do you love me? Now imagine the personal failure, the personal loss, the pain that I caused. Me. I did this, but I'm so embarrassed and guilty. And now here you are in front of everybody asking if I love you, maybe you walked into church a few years ago, a few months ago, or just a few moments ago and felt the same way. Here I am. All my stuff's on display. Everybody knows 
Here I am, full of my own mistakes, my own failures, and now you're asking, do you love me? And Peter replies, of course I do, Jesus. You know that I love you. Jesus, ask him a second time. If I'm walking by, it feels like an interrogation. Do you love me? P- Peter, exasperated now, says, you know I do. You know I love you. The- Why are you doing this? This feels so painful. Jesus had put his finger on the tender part of Peter's heart because pain is what draws God close. You know, I, I just made a mistake. You know, I-, I-, I mean, it was just a few days ago I said I would never and then I did. Now, just leave me alone. I'm out here in the... Just let me go back to fishing. Just, and, and then there's a third... He asked him a third time, could you imagine? Like, why are you being mean? And he changes the question a little bit. Here it is, John 2 and 17. Jesus says, Simon, which is his given name. When your mama calls you by your full name, you know it's important. Come on, everybody. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Interesting, the first time... He asked him, he didn't mention his father. The second time he didn't mention his father. The third time he did because people often carry with them the belief that I guess this is the way it will always be. My daddy left. Everybody knows my dad's an alcoholic. Everybody knows mom couldn't pull it together. Everybody knows we always have had a temper. It's just kind of where we come from. And he says, Peter, by the way, I know about your dad. I know your story. I don't just know the story for the last three and a half years we've been together. I know the whole story of your life. I know where you come from, where you were raised, the hurt of your past, the pain that your father inflicted, how you felt when your mom walked out, what it meant for a family member to take advantage of you. I, I, I know John, and I still want to know, do you love me? Interesting, because just a few Days earlier, Peter had denied him just like they said he would. Jesus is being beaten and the crowd is gathering around. And one of them says, he's, he's with, he, I, know, I know I've seen him with Jesus. This is one of the disciples. And Peter is so angry, Matthew says, he begins to call down curses and he swore to them. I don't even know this man, let alone follow him. And, and, and then he stands around a campfire. You can kind of get the, 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 the picture in your mind of a homeless encampment around a 55-gallon drum ablaze while people try to stay warm close to the fire. A small servant girl walks up, tugs him on the coat, and points out to the Romans. It looks This guy looks like one of the disciples. They're tracking them all down. Jesus is being crucified. And, and Peter is so angry, he literally cusses at the little girl and then screams. Three words in the King James Version that he says, I am not. I'm not him. I'm not who you think I am. And you may be in church today feeling like I'm not. I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough wife. I'm not a good, look what I've done to my kids. I'm not a good enough mom. I'm not a good enough person. Look what, look what I've done. I've messed it all up. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not worth, I, I can't fix this. I can't do this. Why? Why would Jesus say three times, do you love me? You, you heard me the first time. You, you hurt me the second time. The third time, you just remind me of what I said to you. Look into my eyes. The truth of God's word for you today is this. It's not an interrogation what you feel right now as the Holy Spirit puts His hand on that hurt of your life. 
Jesus asked him three times because three times Peter denied him. And for every failure of your life, there's grace from Jesus. In every area you felt like I've let him down, every promise that you've broken, everything that you feel like I can't ever repair, can't ever put back together, never going to be good enough, never going to work, God says I'll fix that one by one by one. So how do you get past your past today? What does it have to do with you? Dr. Henry Cloud, the famous psychologist, wrote a book and he says there are three ingredients that every person has to have to get past their past right quickly. The first one is truth. Everybody has to confront what it is I've done. It's mine. I did it. Jesus confronts Peter at the Last Supper, points his finger and says, you're going to deny me. It's not fun. It's not easy. But it's truth. And what you feel in this moment isn't me being mean about your past or trying to bring up the hurt that you self-inflicted. It's just the truth about your life. It's not religious opinion, by the way. It's not just somebody telling you their opinion. I, I want you to know truth. I, I, I grew up hearing about what I thought was truth. And that truth was that I was terrible. I was a rotten person. I was a sinner who could barely make it into heaven. You just hope that you get there. If you do all the right things, cross all the T's, dot all the I's, and then still you're probably not going to make it. Here's what I've come to realize about the Bible. It took me several decades, but here's what I've come to realize about the God of the Bible. is That's not the truth about me. The truth about you and the truth about me is that God loves you right where you are. He knows right where you are. He loves you just like you are. He loves you so much He won't leave you like you are. He's not going to let you just shove off from the seashore and find your way back out into the middle of the lake so you can be alone. I'll come get you right where you are. Here, Let me give you some truth. Here's some, you want some truth today about your life? Here's one. You are not what you have done. In the Bible, every time a religious person would find somebody in sin, the Bible never gives them a name. It would only call them what the religious person had called them, which was by their sin. The woman caught in the act of adultery. We don't know who she is, but Jesus did. The enemy will always tell you, religion will always tell you, well, you're just the person that you'll always be. Well, you're just a sinner. Well, you're just an alcoholic. Well, you're just an adulterer. Well, you just messed up. Well, this is just who you are. You've always had a bad temper. You've always been able to be. Listen, you are, here's the truth of the Bible. You are, Peter, you're not what you have done. I know. I know who you are. I know what you said. I know how it was in your life. I told you it was going to happen that way. But you are not what you've done. Not only are you not, but you're not what's been done to you. Peter, son of John, it's not what you grew up in. It's not what your daddy called you. It's not what your mama said you were. It's not your fault that they left. It's not, it's no, you are not what's been done to you. The stuff out of your control. The stuff you didn't choose. The stuff you wish you could go back and change. You are not. But I'm going to give you the truth of God's word today. That you are who God says you are. Everybody shout a big amen to that. You are who God says you are. That you're loved by God. That I care enough about you to find you after the resurrection, Peter. Go to where I knew you'd be hanging out. And today in church, God knows right where you are. And He knows how to get to you. The second thing Dr. Cloud says you have to have is time. 
to get past your past. Can you imagine how long it took between, how much time and how, how, how many miracles, how, how many things happened between when Jesus called Peter first on the seashore and the second time he found him there. Imagine all the life that was lived. Imagine all the ups and downs and imagine all the time that passes. Listen to me. You, you, you cannot, you cannot expect you cannot expect that everything changes today. Even, even though God can offer you a miraculous, a, a supernatural salvation, it takes time to be a leader. It takes time to follow Jesus. The healing that Jesus offers you can radically change your life and the direction of your life, but that doesn't mean it's going to change overnight, everybody. i got to tell you, that's why we built this whole church on steps. That's why I'm telling you today that my ultimate prayer for you today is that you'll just take a next step with God. Because it doesn't necessarily mean everything happens today. Everything changes today. It just means you get up and take a next step back towards who you used to be. Peter, I'm not telling you that you got to come back today. I'm just asking you to get off the boat again. Peter, I'm not telling you everything's going to be restored today. I just want you to take a next step. And this church has built our entire ministry on you taking a next step to knowing God. Not just knowing about God. Not just knowing about the Bible or about theology. But I want you to know God. Know Him in your heart. Know, know Him vibrantly in a life-giving way. And once you know God, I, I want you to take a next step to settling your yesterdays. Everybody has a past. Everybody carries baggage. I want you to find freedom and deliverance from that. And then once you wipe off your glasses of your life, the, 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 the smudge off of your heart, you can start seeing clearly the purpose God has for your life. And you discover that purpose that you were made by God with a plan over your life and purpose over your life. And then I want you to take a next step to walking in that purpose every day of your life. To make a difference with your life. That your life counts and you leave a legacy. And it transcends all this world. It's not about money or stuff or people or relationships. It's about a life that counts. Everything worth anything takes time. Jesus won't necessarily erase your past. But He can redeem it. Jesus doesn't erase the mistakes that you made. I know that you've got some stuff. You're still living with the consequences. You still have all of that stuff. You still, I still have to live with this. I still made some choices. It still has to go this way. Jesus doesn't just erase all of that. But He will redeem all of that. Let me tell you what redemption means. It means I'm going to get you back on track. Even though you got off track for just a little while. Even though you took a detour around. I can still get you where I want you to go. I can redeem every lost hour you've spent. Every lost year you've spent. Every lost Easter you've had, I can redeem the time and get you back where I want you to go. Brandy and I, for the last 10 years or so, have been iPhone people. Where are all the iPhone people at? Come on. Everybody iPhone people, look, look down on everybody with an Android, right? We, we got iPhones when they first came out, the very first one. Then we upgraded to the, to the 3G and then the iPhone 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. And the 10 now. And when they come out with another one, I'm going to get it. And I don't need you to look down on me. I'm just going to give them my paycheck. And they're going to give me a phone that only works half the time. That's just the way it goes. It's a deal we've worked out. And, it's, and, and that's just what we do. But since the day that Brandy got an iPhone, she refuses to download the Google Maps app. So she uses 
the faulty Apple Maps app. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Apple Maps was designed by four-year-olds with crayons. Apple Maps is not even a map of this country or this world. I believe it's a joke by Steve Jobs. It's a map of Mars. And no one can get anywhere on this planet using Apple Maps. I can't tell you the number of times that I've been behind the wheel. I'm talking about not a few. She's navigating as the co-pilot does and telling me which way to go. And she's listening to Apple Maps And that little woman on Apple Maps says, you have arrived at your destination. And we look around, and we're in the middle of a cornfield, somebody. Come on, with no gas, nowhere to go, and late to something. And I'm angry all over again that we used Apple Maps. Here we are, lost again. Wrong destination. Nothing even exists here. I'm in the hood. I don't even know how to lock your doors. We ain't got no gas. Can't stop for gas. Too scared. We used a map. We just use the wrong one. Without fail, it always goes. You never say that in a marriage, but I'm just telling you. It always goes like this. We hear the little woman say, you're at your destination. We realize this ain't the destination. And then she says, open up Google Maps. And and then we open up Google Maps. And then we get where we're supposed to go. Here's the thing I love about God. You don't have to be there today to still get where you're supposed to go. You can get to Austin going through Houston. It's not the quickest. It's probably not the best route. But you can get there. God can still get you to where He wants you, even if you took a detour. And You could be staring at a dead end in your life today thinking there's just no hope. It's over. Like Peter, you could just throw in the towel and say, I'll just go back doing what I, I know this. At least, at least I know that's safe. And, and I think I've just messed up too far. Maybe you just need a course correction. Because God can get you where He wants you to go. He can redeem your life. As a matter of fact, He had a plan for your life before you ever took a step. One of my life verses is Psalms 139. It says, you saw me. David says this in the middle of his sin while he's confused and doesn't know where to go. And he tells God, you saw me before I was born. And every day of my life and every day of your life, is recorded in your book. There's a book in heaven. I don't know how. Don't ask me. We hadn't seen it yet. But there's a book somewhere in heaven in a, in a massive library. And on the spine of that book is written my full name, your full name, Curtis Tarwater. He knows exactly every day of your life. Every day you have lived and every day you will live is written in his book. And today... Just because you aren't where you thought you'd be doesn't mean God can't find you there and help you make a a plan. It it could be that God opens a chapter and goes, that boy, he got off there and look, no, that wasn't a good chapter and, and, and she took a turn there and that's not what I had planned for them there. I had something better there and I wish they would have gone this way. That Oh man, that took a long time. Oh, man, that was a lot of heartache. There, there they are. And just because the story hasn't been like he planned it doesn't mean it won't end like he's planned it. And you can stop where you are today and say, God, I just need, 
I need the third ingredient, Dr. Cloud says, if you're going to get past your past, and it's grace. Grace is not forgiveness of your sins. That's forgiveness. Grace is God's power to do for you what you can't do for yourself. You see, you, you can't go backwards. I wish we could. I wish I could relive some dumb days. I wish I could relive when I said I never would. I wish I could relive standing around a campfire and denying I ever knew Him. I wish I could go back and be there for you when you needed me most. I wish I could go back, but you can't. And grace can do for you what you can't do for yourself. Grace is God's power to forgive every area of your life. You don't know how bad it is. It doesn't matter. Our biggest sins, listen, are not too big for God's grace. Our biggest sins, the thing that you've carried around, that painful thing that when I started talking about it about a half hour or so ago, you knew exactly what I meant. That thing you did, that decision you made, that pain you carried, that shame you've got with you today when you came to Easter. The interesting thing about this story is it takes place around Easter. Peter has the biggest failure of his life before Good Friday, before the crucifixion. And he has the biggest comeback story in history after the resurrection. And look into my eyes, so can you. You can live that same kind of day where Jesus finds you right where you are. He knows where you go back to. And He can deliver you and heal you. I asked you three times, Peter, because I wanted you to know I didn't forget. I just love you enough to heal them one by one. I just want you to know I can find you. I just want you to know you haven't gone too far. You haven't done too much. It's not too, it's not too far gone. It's Honestly. I know right where you are. And Jeremiah said, I'll forgive their wickedness. Not I'll think about it. Not I'll hold them over hell just for a little while longer. No, no, no. I'll just forgive their wickedness and I'll remember their sins no more. The God of all creation can't forget. He just chooses not to remember. Jesus, it was just a couple of days ago I was cussing, saying I didn't know you. Saying I had no idea who this man was. Oh, no, no, no. No, I, I, I know. I've just chosen to move on and give you what you can't give yourself. I've just chosen to, to, to find you again and give you a fresh start. I grew up in church. I tell you that often. And my mama would let me bring toys to church. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We didn't have children's church. We had Sunday school, but we had to sit through worship. And I grew up in a churchy church. And churchy church, you could take an hour-long nap, still wake up and catch some music. You know what I mean? Choir just getting ready, you know? Mama would let me bring toys to church. And one of them I loved, I'm a kid of the 80s, is an etching sketch. Anybody know what that is? In Arkansas, there's an iPad. <laughs> and I would, I, would sit, I would sit in church and I would draw four days. I love this thing. I'd turn both knobs. I'd build all kinds of cities. I'm talking about hours. I'd just stare at it for hours. I'd build worlds. I'd make up what happened in those worlds. I'd build roads. I mean, I'd, I'd take twists and turns. I learned you could turn them together and make diagonals. I mean, it would be, I'd, I'd learn to write my name. Don't ask me to do it again, but. 
And my favorite thing about my, my Etch-a-Sketch was that when I would mess up on the city, you know, when I was building this road and I'd, uh, I'd get so frustrated, you could always start over. It wasn't permanent. I didn't damage it. I, I just start over. The thing I love about the resurrection is it gives you a chance, like it gave Peter, to just start over. To just, just ask God. I, I know I, I did this to myself, but I, I just need a fresh start. I need a do-over. I, I need to start over today. And if that's you, I want you to know you got a chance to start over. That grace is here to heal that deepest part of your heart, that thing you've carried around for probably far too long. And today's a day you can start again.